Kevin Gubernatis's The White Wolf and the Darkness, his first published work. Let's move this over here so that I can actually um, access it. I think it's not quite angle. It's going to slip down because, you know, as it does. That actually works better, and actually, quite, I can see all the, the words. Okay, and it looks like I'm going Alright, so we're going to be continuing on with the second chapter, which switches perspectives. Um, why is it doing that? I, I don't want to change anything, I don't want to ruin anything, so. Um, Alright, so that gets rid of that. I no idea what I was doing. I was changing the brightnesses or something. But yeah. But we'll be starting with the second chapter, which is starting with the perspective of Michaels, which I believe is one of the platoon members in Sala's group. Uh, a lot of new terminology here, so bear with me. We're going to be starting with his perspective, and as I said before, this will be going over a lot of the stuff that was already covered in the first chapter, um, but from a different perspective. So, let's see how that goes. They arrived at the elevator shaft that Michaels had mentioned. The outer door was sealed, and the power was, as expected, off. Michaels asked his suits to Trini, which deck power control, power control was on. His earpiece chirped, and the map on his wrist changed to reflect that his desired destination was nine levels below them. Michael smiled and thanked the imprinted intelligence. He knew thanking it was unnecessary as naming it, but Michael knew that some part of a human being was what he was talking to. He felt bad treating it as if nothing more than a thing. Well, he felt badly about treating things like things for that matter. He turned back to Simone. It's nine levels down, he said. That's the bad news. Well then, what the what's the good news, man? Robinson stood behind him, just a little too close. Michaels took a deep breath. He really hated Robinson. The man almost never had anything constructive to offer up in a discussion. And when he commented, it was usually to talk about how someone was an idiot. He was also horning after new female crew members, even, and especially when they had no interest in him. Most of all, though, he hated Robinson's morals, or lack thereof. Robinson had five kids by two different women, and neither woman knew about the other. 
bastard was proud of it. He'd laugh about how he had this amazing situation because his deployment with Cohen Corpse gave him the perfect excuse for why he couldn't be around all the time. How the son of a bitch ever made the true standard training was a mystery, but his assignment proved his worth as a soldier. This was, after all, a struggle. Michaels knew they were aboard the Chimera aboard a Chimera, but it was the oldest one still commissioned in Cohen Corps. There were only 20 or so commandos assigned to the Vivitar, and only Wong and King weren't either damaged psychologically, subpar soldiers, or embarrassments that were given the post to keep them out of the leading. That included Michaels himself. The good news, Michaels replied, trying not to shoot Robinson is that I can get the door open and we all got levy boots, except for our fearless, fearless leader. He looked towards Sal and smiled himself. He liked chiding her sometimes, if only to remind her that he thought of her as an equal. Asala talked to him more than she did most of the year. He figured it was because he never treated her like some kind of religious figure or superhero. She was a specialist, just like him, with very specific knowledge and training. Sure, he couldn't force open a half-turned door with his bare hands, but then she couldn't get the rights to Asala nodded. I'll be fine, she said. After you get it open, I'll head down first. I'm going to be going pretty quick, so use the lowest setting on the boots. I'd rather not have to wait too long for you guys to get down there. She looked at the door and turned her back to everyone, clenched her fists at her sides. She seemed to be doing some kind of breathing exercise as well. How long will it take? Michaels was watching the way she moved. She was so graceful, but not dainty or elegant. Every step she took, every gesture, every expression upon her face was deliberate and majestic. He found himself admiring her form, the way her long raven-colored hair cascaded down her back, and how the color of her flawless skin reminded him of black coffee. He suddenly realized he was staring and had been far too long. Five minutes, he said, too short. Robinson had picked up on what was happening and laughed aloud. Before he could say a word, Asala was on him, her hand gripping his chest plate by the spit lit in his armor at the armpit. She pulled him within an inch of her face and stared into his visor for a moment. When she spoke, it was quiet and dark. If you do not shut your mouth, she began, I will. There could be anything aboard the station, and you're making jokes and laughing. For the duration of this mission, you will speak only when spoken to, or to alert the squad to immediate physical danger. Is that clear, Michael? Robinson was completely caught off guard. He was a chauvinist, and obviously didn't occur to him that a solo could snap his neck like a twig, or at least to have no control. Both his hands were in the air. One held his rifle, but both were making the air-padding gesture of placation. Yes, sir. 
was all he seemed to be able to manage. Asala shoved Robinson into the wall of the corridor. She then turned smartly toward the door of the elevator. Her expression was determined to determine, though she also flashed murderous. She looked at Michaels expectantly and said, Michaels reasoned he should not make the same mistake twice and went right to work getting the door open. Trini showed him where the manual release was in the archway of the door. He gripped it with both hands and pulled. As he did, the two sides of the door slid left and right and locked into the open position. A slight draft of air came up from the elevator's ominous portal. It carried with it the vague odor of decay, like the sickeningly sweet smell of something rotting. I saw the wrinkled her nose at the smell, but moved over to the opening. She put a hand on either side of the archway and leaned into the elevator shaft, looking around. Michael's lights moved in before her and lit up the portion of the shaft that was on the same level the squad was on. Michaels leaned over from the crouching position next to the door to peep down as well. The long vertical hallway went up and down for what could have been infinity. The magician leaned back into the corridor and turned to Simone. After I go down there, she started. Michaels will follow to help get the door open. I will then send you a ping to signal you to follow. At this point, she turned and rather dramatically leaped into the elevator shaft. She reached out and grabbed the elevator track that was against the far wall. Gripping the track with her hands and feet, she slowly and easily released the grip of both to test her momentum. Then, when she was satisfied with her footing, she released the pressure of her grip to a certain degree and started very quickly sliding down the elevator shaft. When she'd gotten about 30 feet or so down, she looked up and said, Becoming Michaels? Michaels immediately stood up and clicked his heels together and hopped into the shaft. At first, the pull of the station's artificial gravity starts to make him fall. But as the magic in his Levi boots actualized, he floated in the air motionless. He then, then aimed his feet downward, toes first, and began descending rapidly after Asala, who had already continued her progress. He began to count the elevator pool doors in the shaft. When he got to seven, he looked down and saw Asala had dropped right outside the ninth. He descended a few more meters and leveled his feet pointing his toes at the door and stopping his momentum. He looked at the door for a moment. He thought it would be dirty for some but it was the same metallic gray as the other side of the door they had just jumped through. He looked to the left-hand side of the archway and found the manual release on this side when he heard a solid behind him. Please tell me you can get it open, she said in an almost panicked tone. Michaels realized that she was sort of hanging on for her life at this point. He gripped the release and he replied to her, Sure, he said, and pulled down the lever. Just, just as before, the elevator door slid open, revealing another empty corridor. Michaels kept his feet level and pointed his toes together and 
glided into the dark corridor. When he was over the floor again, he quickly and sharply clicked his heels together and dropped the inch or so to the floor. He turned around to help Isella, but found that as he did, she kicked off the elevator shaft wall and into the open doorway. The magician landed on her feet and slid about half a meter from the opening. It was all Michaels could do to get out of her way when she did so. When Asala regained her footing, she drew her weapon and looked around, letting the sphere illuminate the immediate area. It was another corridor like the one above. Only here, outside the elevator, was the number nine instead of one, and somehow the whole hallway was dark. The shadows at the edge of the light cast by the sphere seemed thicker, denser than the ones above. Asala sheathed her sword and lifted her wrist to her chest, looking at the small holographic imager on her wrist-mounted computer. She tapped an icon and sent a ping to the entire squad. The ping was like a beacon signal. All Cohen Corps commando suits would pick it up as well as most other comm units. It linked with a person's mind and sent a short, empathic sense as to the general idea of the message that the individual was sending, from fine to under attack. She looked at Michaels and spoke. The others would be along shortly, she stated. Which way to power control? Michaels looked at the map on his wrist. That way, he said, as he pointed a thumb to the right down the it should be more than a few minutes or or so once we get there, not counting getting the door to the place open, if that's even an issue. He lowered his arm and the holographic map disappeared. Asala nodded to him and looked in the direction he'd indicated, punching her fists again. A few moments later, Jones floated down into the view and landed in the corridor, followed by Martins and Samar. Robinson came down last, a bit after the others. Michaels went over to him and started to speak when Robinson fell out of the air just before he got into the doorway. He had fallen straight down the shaft, had it not been for Michaels and Samar grabbing him at the hallway at the same time. When they finally got him to his feet in the hallway, he shook off their breaths and snorted. What happened? Michaels asked. What held you up? Samar demanded. Why didn't you come right down? I heard something, Robinson replied angrily. I looked around for a second to see what it was. When I didn't see anything, I levitated down. I've got no idea why my levy boots gave out. He looked at Asala when he said that last bit, as if she'd been responsible. What did you hear? Asala asked. She ignored his look. It couldn't have been her. It was extremely difficult to disrupt an imprint, even one as simple as the Levi boots, and Asala was no infringer. Robinson looked to Asala and grunted. I'm not sure, he said. That's why I stopped to look around. It sounded a little like someone breathing, but it was really quiet. He looked back into the chasm of the elevator shaft and swore under his breath. Michaels tapped his visor and asked Trini to scan while he looked at Robinson's boots. The aura was gone. The essence that had been imprinted into the armed boots that gave them the magical ability to levitate 
was just gone. They were normal, average, unimprinted boots. He'd never seen anything like it before. He knew of nothing short of destroying the imprinted object that could disrupt an imprint so quickly, and even then he'd be picking up residual energy. This was empty, as if it had never been imprinted before. He quickly relayed his findings to the rest of the group. When he finished, Robinson was the first to speak. So they're broken, he said, a bit pissed off. Shit, man, I'm going to have to climb my ass out of here. They're not broken, Michaels replied. I've never seen anything like this. It's like something sucks the energy right out of them. I don't know anything that can do that. Not even a demon. He looked at us all of them. The magician looked very worried. She took a deep breath and straightened herself. She spoke slowly and calmly as she turned again into the darkness. We need to get everything back up and running before we can make any sort of headway. For the time being, no one should use their boots, just in case. Let's get ourselves to power control and finish this mission so we can get out of here. Immediately, Michaels felt better about the situation. He realized with a start that it was a solo's doing. Augmenters could strengthen a person's resolve with their own. Knowing this didn't make the magic not work. In fact, he felt even better. If her resolve was this strong, maybe they'd be okay. He walked right up next to the magician and shined his rifle light down onto the dark corridor. This way, Michael said to us all. It shouldn't be too much fun. And that is the end to that chapter and that particular point of view. Um, next time we'll be picking up with King's point of view in the chapter chapter. I hope everyone enjoyed that. Um, and I hope everyone has a lovely Saturday and lovely evening and lovely rest of the week. And like the word lovely. Just me. Um, Tomorrow we'll be picking up with Alice in Wonderland and I'm going to be doing it on Sunday. So the next chapter to Alice in Wonderland, um, which is Silly Sunday, it's a real Sunday. Still haven't quite figured out the alliteration before that, but um, so, so that is tomorrow, um, the 31st of May, and once again, I'll be taking down the videos and the audio for the first chapter to the White Wolf in the Darkness. Um, but if you would, so if you want to listen to that recording and this recording together and get caught up, just tomorrow would be the day to do it, or today would be the day to do it as well. Today and tomorrow, yeah, two days. So after that, go. The first one will be taken down, and the only way you'll be able to read that chapter is to actually purchase the book. So, thank you everyone for listening in, and I hope you have a great Saturday, and see you Sunday. And pick up a copy of Kevin Fernandez's book. It's I'm actually liking a lot. A lot. There, um, there's a lot of potential here, and 
I'm liking the story, and I'm getting to like the characters as well. So, pick up a copy of his book. He's on Amazon, and he also has his own um, website as well, which I shall put in the link when I can get, get a hold of it. So, it'll be on the YouTube link, and it'll also be on the Anchor link, and also be on Facebook as well. You want to pick up a copy of this book. And maybe you can read along. Who knows? But um, anyway, thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great Saturday, and see you tomorrow. Thank you.